When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. What am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. Once upon a time, and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Ann Harding. And I am your host, Isabel Hauser. And I am your host, Simon Brooks. And we have some stories for you today. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away and will bring you back safely. This episode is being recorded on Zoom. And if you want to watch this episode, you can become a patron at any level and have access to all of the behind the scenes stuff that happens during this episode. We may end up talking about stories. We may end up talking about other summer plans. Who knows? There's a lot of tidbits that won't end up on the public episode. So if you want to hear the full, full episode, become a patron for as little as $4 and join us as a patron. Hello, Story Story podcast hosts. Hi. (laughs) Hello. So we as your hosts of the Story Story podcast thought you might enjoy hearing a few few stories from from us. I'm going to take that line again. So get ready to say your hellos again, because that was rubbish. (laughs) Can we say hello from Switzerland? Hello from blah, blah, blah. She doesn't know where you live. <laughs> okay, here we go again. Hello, Story Story podcast hosts. Hello. Hello from Switzerland. And hello from New London, New Hampshire. And this is a hello from Longmont, Colorado. So us from around the world, the podcasts of uh, the hosts of the podcast wanted to share some stories with you before we made it into the summer break in July. And so the first story for this episode is going to be by Simon Brooks. Before you start off with your story, what magical things are you up to this summer? Well, I've been working on a boat that travels over land and water, actually. Um, It's just a small skiff, it's nothing big, Um, but it's got room for me, Mo, and one other in case one of my kids or my wife wants to come with me, so that's gonna be fun. And I'm building it with an author friend of mine Um, who's done a lot of boat building called Dean Whitlock. Um, But it's his first boat to travel over land and sea, so it's a bit of an experiment, to be honest. Sounds amazing. It sounds fantastical and magical. And what story are you going to tell us today? Take it away. So, well, so the story I'm going to tell today is actually a Venezuelan story. Um, And if you were to look at a map of Venezuela and and imagine me as that map of Venezuela, um, if Brazil was there, then Venezuela would be right here. And that's, that's where this story takes place. And in Venezuela, there are these crabs, which are called ghost crabs. And the reason why they're called this is because the underside of their claws and the underside of their, their belly and the underside of their, their legs are kind of this translucent gray color. And so when they bring up their claws and they go, ooh, they look like ghosts. The other interesting thing about these crabs is that their eyes on stalks. So their little eyeballs are on top of these stalks, right? And the reason why they have them there is because they have this very special skill. Now, 
In Venezuela, the water is beautiful and it's clear and you can see all the fishes swimming around in it. You can see the sharks, you can see the jellyfish, you can see all sorts of things in the water. And it's, it's beautiful. It's like it is today here in New Hampshire. It's like sunny all the time, which isn't the same for New Hampshire. But anyway, there was Cram. She's sitting on this rock and she's looking into the water and she's peering around in the water. Then she decides to do a trick. What she does is she puts her claws out in front of her and then she, she squeezed every muscle in her body until her eye balls popped off the stalks and landed on her claws. And then she tossed her eyeballs into the ocean and off they went into the sea. Now you might wonder why crab did this. And the reason is, is quite simple really, because crabs can only scuttle on, they don't swim deep into the ocean. And if they do, if they were to go deep in the ocean, they would usually be on the floor of the ocean. And there are different kinds of fishes at all different kinds of levels, right? And so by sending her eyeballs out into the water, she could see all the different fishes at all the different levels. And she loved doing that. Well, one day she's doing this and then along came Jaguar. And he plopped himself down beside Crab. All right, Crab, how are you doing? I, 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 I'm all right, she said. And, and she said, eyeballs, eyeballs, come back to me. Come as quickly as can be. And her eyeballs came back on her stalks. And Jaguar was like, what are you doing? I, I can make my eyes pop off my stalks. No, you can't. No, I just got my eyeballs back. You're, you're just having me on. You're just tricking me. Those, you can't pop your eyeballs. How can you do? Watch, she said. And she looked into the water and said, well, I have to wait for a little bit because shark's there and shark likes to, likes to eat eyeballs. But as soon as shark swam away, she once again, she put her claws out and she's... <laughs> eyeballs came off into her claws and whoosh, into the water they went... Shoo. Well, when Jaguar saw this, he's like, that's amazing, I want to go, come on, bring your eyes back, bring your eyes back, come on, I want to go now. Now, Jaguar was trying to be really cool because Jaguar is kind of a cool customer, right? And he, but he, it took all of his effort to not jump up and run around in circles. He just sat there and wiggled with his tail flashing around, prodding Crab to bring her eyes back, which he did. Eyeballs, eyeballs, come back to me, come back as quickly as can be. Up onto the stems. But there was Shark again, swimming around. And there was puffer fishes. Well, we gotta, we gotta wait for those to go. You're just, come on, get on with your eye. I want my eyes to pop out. I wanna see all the different kinds of fishes that, that are in the ocean. Come on, crab, you do it to you. You gotta do it for me now. But, but, but shark likes to eat fish, fish likes to eat eyeballs and, 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 and you, 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 wait, wait until, wait, wait until, but Jaguar just wasn't interested. Jaguar kept poking her and getting more and more agitated. You, come on, you better do it right now or you're in big trouble. But what about shark? I don't care about shark. Sharks, I'm, I'm tougher than shark. Shark's not a problem for me. Come on. All right then. Eyeballs, eyeballs. Go out to sea. And when I call, come back as quickly as can be. And Jaguar's eyeballs popped off his, popped out of his eyeballs. They rolled off his chin muscles, his cheek muscles and into the water and off they went. Oh, this is brilliant, crab. Look at all the different things I can see. Well, you can't look because you've got your eyes back there, but my eyes are out in the ocean. Oh, look at that. It's got all these legs and it's kind of fluffing itself along and it's going squish, squish, squish. Oh, that, that, that'll be an octopus, said Crab. Oh, that's amazing. And he started to describe all these other fishes that he had seen and she was telling him what they were called. And then all of a sudden, Crab, this whole, what do you call it, a school of fish? They, they've all vanished really quickly. They're all gone. Where are they going? 
before Crab could say, Eyes, eyes, come back to me, come back as quickly as can be. Crab, it's gone dark. What, why has it gone dark? I can't see anything. She saw Shark swimming by, and if Shark had had a long tongue, she would have been licking her lips. Um, eyeballs, eyeballs, come back to me, come back to Jagger as quick as can be. Eyeballs, eyeballs, come back to me, come back to Jagger as quick as can be. But the eyeballs didn't come back. They were, in fact, in Shark's belly. Crab, crab, what's going on, what's going on? Uh, I think, I, I think the shark's eating your eyeballs. I did warn you, get me eyeballs back, crab. Come on, get me eyeballs back. But no matter how many times she said it, the eyeballs didn't come back. They must have been bouncing around in Shark's belly like, like no one's business. But Shark did not let them go. And Jaguar got more and more angry. And he started to smack his claw down on the ground. And, and sh sh Crab shuttled away and dove down into this little teeny tiny crevice and hid. And then, oh my gosh, you won't believe this. Jaguar began to cry. And if you've ever heard a cat cry, you will know that it's the saddest sound ever. And this, this jaguar just cried and cried and cried. And the sound went so high up into the sky, even King Condor heard it. And he was just a tiny little speck up in the sky. And when he heard that sound, he's like, what is wrong with jaguar? That's a terrible sound. And King Condor with his huge wings, began to glide in these spirals down and down until he landed on the rock. Look, what's up, Jaguar? Are you all right? I could hear you crying from way up there. It's my eyes. What about your eyes? I've lost my eyes. It's, it's crab. She put them out and they went into the water, but I can't find them anymore because Shark ate them. She did tell me, but I didn't listen. Jaguar, it'll be all right. I'll, I'll find you some other eyes. You, you'll do that? Yeah, yeah, Crab, don't worry. I'll get you some new eyes. And King Condor backed up a little bit, took a running start. And took off up into the air. And he searched and searched while Jaguar cried and cried. And then King Condor came back. And in one of his sets of talons, there was this, this lump of tree sap. And he set it down on the hot rock next to Jaguar. And with his beak and with his two talons, he tore that piece of, that, that piece of sap into two sections. And then with one of his talons, he, he rolled one of those sections into a ball on the hot rock. And then he rolled the other into a, a, a ball. And then he took that resin and popped it into Jaguar's eye sockets. Now, this had been on the hot rock and they were still hot. And Jack was like, oh, it's really hot, it's really hot. No, 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 leave them in. It'll be all right. They'll cool down in a minute. Jackie's eyes streamed. And then King Condor said, come on, open your eyes, born and see what they look like. And Jagger, he blinked. Oh, those are the most beautiful eyes I've ever seen. They're so radiant that there's this, this beautiful, this beautiful ambery, orangey yellow colour. They're fabulous, Jaguar. And as Jaguar blinked, he looked around and said, you know, I can, I can actually see better now. My vision's twice as good as it used to be. Well, thank you, King Condor. Like, no, 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 you should be thanking, you should be thanking Crab. Because if it hadn't been for Crab making your eyes pop out, you'd never have these new eyes, would you? No, I wouldn't. And you know what, as a thank you to you, I'll make sure you never go hungry. That's very nice. What should we do?
Well, I don't know. What should we do? We could go hunting. Let's go hunting. And so the two creatures took off. There was Jaguar running through the underbrush, and up in the sky there was King Condor watching out for him. And Jaguar was true to his word. For any time he hunted from that day to this, in fact, he always left part of what he found, part of what he killed, for King Condor. And that's the story of Crab's eye toss and how Jaguar got his beautiful eyes. The end. Amazing. I had no idea where that was going. <laughs> that was fantastic. Thank you. I hope everybody else liked it just as much as you did. <laughs> so, Simon, who's our fairytale sponsor for today? The fairytale sponsor for this episode is Superhero Collateral Damage Insurance. Is your home in a major city that attracts power hungry superfolk? Do you worry that your roof may be threatened by laser? Do you worry that your roof may be threatened by laser beams, falling spaceships, or superheroes and sorcerers? With these powerful people zipping about, we understand your concern for your equity. And with superhero collateral damage insurance, you can be assured that your home will be covered for any damage caused by those powerful people. This insurance covers minor damage, like windows cracking from someone jogging by at the speed of sound, or major damage, like a villain being knocked out punched into your dining roof, room through your roof. Keep your home safe with superhero collateral damage insurance, the insurance that will be your hero after all the superheroes have gone home. Thank you, Superhero Collateral Damage, for sponsoring this episode. <laughs> the second story for this episode is by the host, Rachel Ann Harding. And Anne, before you start us off with your story, tell us what magical things are you up to this summer? So this summer, I will be working with the well-known company, Gingerbread Houses for Humanity. This is for witches who have found themselves in flood with excessive children eating their houses. You know how hard it can be to keep the upkeep on these gingerbread houses going. So I'm planning to start with the baking team. It's kind of the basic, getting all of the gingerbread together and, you know, doing the, the raising of the walls. Um, and then I hope to move on to the icing team uh, so I can, I can use the big icing icing guns and get a get the windows framed and and uh, all of the joints put in securely but I'm really hoping that by the end of the summer I will have like worked up my muscles to be part of the gumdrop squad because uh, that's what's used on all these houses for decoration but you know like a four foot gumdrop is really heavy so I'm gonna work on my muscles get working up to to help gingerbread houses for humanity that sounds like an adventure and I'm looking forward to hearing all about it when um, your time at Gingerbread Houses for Humanity is over. I know I, when you first said your, your, your gingerbread gums, I thought you meant gums. <laughs> like my muscles? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, gingerbread gum drops. <laughs> Or icing guns. Gummy bears. <laughs> yeah, mine are more gummy bears than they are guns. <laughs> My little gummy worms. <laughs> so, Anne, what story are you going to tell us today? So, today I have a story for you from Scotland. 
Patty was a man who used words as sparingly as a miser uses coin. If you needed him to answer a question with three words, he would use two. When folks were in the pub together, he wouldn't talk or sing. He would simply play his pipe along with the tunes. So when he went to the prettiest girl in the village, Maureen, and he poured his heart out to her using almost all the words he would use in a year, asking her if he could court her. He should have, at least some part of him, should have appreciated that she simply answered, no. His heart was broken, and it seemed that his mouth was broken as well. He stopped talking completely. And though the people tried to console him and, and get him to talk about his feelings, he was not having it. And finally, he got in a boat, and he rode away to a little island with a little hut. And he began some very professional brooding. He would wake up in the morning and he would brood over his breakfast and he would go out to the water and he would fish and he would go down the coast to a little village where no one knew him and sell his fish, brooding the while, coming home, sitting in front of the fire and brooding. And he might have brooded away his entire life, as the man who lived in the hut before him did, if fate had not stepped in. But one day, Patty got into his boat. He went out onto the water. He took his net. He threw it out over the water, and it sank like lace beneath the waves. And when he pulled in that net, it was heavy, heavier than he expected it to be. It would be a good catch. And as he tipped that net into the boat, there was the most enormous fishtail he had ever seen. And as he pulled the net back, that fishtail led up to the body of a woman. Her skin was green. Her hair was green like seaweed. She had big, round eyes like a fish. And she sat there gasping as if being above water was quite difficult, for Patty had caught himself a mermaid. And the mermaid looked at him. I suppose you want a wish now, don't you? Patty said, yes. Gold. I know where all the coastal wrecks are. I can bring you gold. No. Ah. I will bring you a horse. My father has the finest horses, land or sea. No. Ah. Then what do you want? Maureen. What is a Maureen? A woman. Ah. A woman. Isn't it always a woman? Uh, there are women as there are fish in the sea. Find another woman. What is so special about this Maureen? Patty took a deep breath. She has hair like gold, eyes blue as the sea. And when you dance with her, her waist is so slim, you can put your hands all the way around it. And the mermaid responded, don't make me land sick. But I suppose she's the only woman for you? Yes. The mermaid thought for a moment, and then from her hand, she pulled a ring and she offered it to him. Take this ring, and in 101 days, give this to the woman you love, and she will say yes. Patty took the ring and looked at it in his hand, and the mermaid said, Do we have an agreement? Yes. He put the ring in his pocket. He rolled her out of the boat. And then he threw all the fish back in after her as a token of good goodwill. And he began to row home. 
He'd stop every now and again, pulling the ring out of his pocket to look at it. Could it really have happened? But the ring was there, silver with that gray pearl in the center. He put it in his pocket. He made it to shore, pulled his boat up. And maybe because of the strange events, he didn't notice that from his little hut, there was smoke coming from the chimney where there should have been none. And when he walked in, he noticed the smell of fresh bread and good stew. And he looked up and there was another woman. Now, she was not green. She was not slim like a fish. No, she was a bit more round in her red hair, stuck out all over the place. And she was standing by the fire and she was stirring a pot of stew. And that's where that's, the smells were coming from. And she looked up and she said, oh, well, I thought somebody might have lived here. Well, I'm here to help look after this house. It makes sense now that a man lives here with the way this house is not <laughs> dirty, if you don't mind me saying so. But I'm here to help you now. I'd be making food and I won't be bothering you at all. No, said Patty. Uh, no, really. I mean, you could use my help from the looks of this place. And I really can't go. My boat is all broken up and it'll take a while to fix it. Then we'll fix it. No, you see, I really, I, I can't go home. My stepmother and I don't get along and, and she needs some time to cool down. Now, maybe it was the smell of the good food. Or maybe because this woman was starting to look a little emotional and Patty had no idea how to handle that, that he just nodded. Excellent, said the woman. I'm more than happy to keep things tidy around here and make the food. By the way, my name is Bridget. Now sit down. It's time to eat. Patty did as he was told. And in front of him, she sent a bowl, set a bowl of stew. She put a nice, fresh piece of bread there. And then she looked at him expectantly. He took a bite, nodded his approval. She nodded hers. She took her portion and she went out the door. Patty took a moment to take in what had happened that day and he reached into his pocket again. There was that ring. He stood up and he went over to the fireplace and he found a little bottle. He put the ring inside and then he scratched into the wood above the hearth one notch one day. That was how he would keep track of 101 days. Well, the days began to tick by and Bridget made her way in and out of the house, making food. She'd wait until he took a bite and nodded his approval every time. And it was about a week before Patty got the courage that when she picked up her food to leave, he said, no, sit, join me. Oh, that'd be lovely, said Bridget. She sat down and she waited for him to talk, but well, that was going to take too long. So she just began talking while they ate. She told him all about her family situation, her stepmother and how things had gone. And then she told him about her little village where she lived off of the coast, how her father's house was up a little winding path. And in the garden, she could see out to the ocean where the seals played on the rocks with their pups. It was her favorite sight in the world. And she talked and she talked and Patty soon knew all about her. And it took another few weeks before she started to get the story out of Patty. She listened and pieced together from his few words what had happened in his village. And then she listened and she didn't laugh when Patty told her about the mermaid. And as 
this conversation was unfolding one afternoon, Patty went out to his boat and realized that his nets needed mending. So there was a little shed and he went into that shed and he opened it up and he saw on an old pile of nets, an indentation where she had been sleeping. And he felt shame come to his cheeks that that is where she had been sleeping day after day, though she kept his house clean and she made them such good food. And he put down the nets for the day and he brought in driftwood, building her the finest bed he could make out of that driftwood. He put it into the house and he hung a sheet between their two beds so she would have her own privacy. And when she saw it, she said, oh, this will be the most comfortable bed I've ever slept in. And she kissed him on his cheek. Oh, and he went red from toad head. Now, she eventually got the story about the mermaid and the ring. She looked at that ring for a while. And she looked at the notches he was making in the woods and she would and she started to build a little calendar that would make it easier for him to track those days. In the evenings, they would sit and sometimes she would sit next to him and he found it was much more difficult to brood when someone so cheerful was sitting next to him. Eventually, she had him pull out his pipe and play some music and she sang along. He found he really enjoyed that. And time passed. And one day he came in the house and there she was standing there looking at the ring again and at the calendar on the wall. She looked at him and she said, tomorrow is 101 days and you'll need to go give this ring to your love. Well, you don't have to go, he said. <laughs> what woman is going to be happy to see me in your house? No, my boat has been fixed for a while now and I, I think my stepmother probably has cooled down at this point. So I'll be on my way. It's lovely to meet you, Patty. And Patty listened as she walked out the door and the scrape of her boat across the rocks and the splash of her oar in the water as she rowed away from his island. And he sat there all the long evening brooding. I mean, he was still very good at it. And the next day, he took that ring from off of the mantle. He put it in his pocket. He got in his boat and he began to row. And he rowed to a little village and he waited until he could see the seals on the rocks with the pups and then he wandered up a little trail to a garden where Bridget stood and Bridget saw him coming oh well uh, did you take your ring to your lady what'd she say did she say yes and he took the ring out of his pocket and he says will you tell me what she says she said yes. She, of course, was going to marry him. And they married in his village. And everyone was invited, including Maureen. She danced with everybody there. She still had that lovely, long, blonde, flowing hair. But, you know, Patty couldn't quite remember why he liked her so much. And, you know, after the wedding, they got in their little boat and they were rowing back to the island where they were going to live together in that house, Bridget and Patty. And as they sat in the boat and they were drifting out on the ocean, they passed by a rock and there on that rock was the mermaid with her big wide eyes blinking. Patty, I see that you found your true love. I have, says Patty. And I see that she's not blonde and she is not got eyes blue as the sea 
No, said Patty, but she is the right one for me. Good, said the mermaid, then your wish is fulfilled. And she slipped off the rock and into the water. And Patty and Bridget made their way to their little house. And as far as we know, they lived happily ever after. Lovely. That was such a good story. I've, I've not heard that before. I like it. It's the it's mermaid's ring. It's a Scottish story. I That's usually like where stories from Scotland come from. I know. <laughs> I mean, it's very rare you find one not from Scotland that comes from Scotland. <laughs> Ah, that was excellent. That was excellent. This episode is also brought to you by a great review sent to our inbox by Gina. And it reads just like this. I listen to this podcast every day. I love this podcast. It's so fun. The fairy tale sponsors sound so real and the hosts are so cool. I recommend this to all ages. I am 12 or I will be a patron, but I will when I get older. Thank you, thank you, thank you for making this podcast. I sometimes tell the stories on here to my little siblings' friends and my little siblings. Being a family of six kids, I have no trouble finding little audiences. They love the stories on the podcast just as much as me. And the Gunny Wolf story was a favorite. And that is followed by one wolf emoji and about three dozen emojis of hard-eyed faces and hearts. Gina, thank you for sending in your review. We loved reading it. We're so glad that you are telling these stories and bringing storytelling to your siblings and your siblings' friends. Yeah. Um, if anyone else would like to leave a review, you can send it to us via email, storystorypodcast.com, or you can leave it on Apple Podcasts, which helps other people find the podcast. We also want to thank our patrons. They are the generous supporters of storytelling, which is pretty cool. A big thank you to them and all the other patrons of the podcast. You are the positive tea leaf reading in every proper cup of tea. Proper cup of tea, exactly. The third story for this episode is by our host, Isabel Hauser. Before you start us off with your story, what magical things have you been up to or going to be up to this summer? Well, I am going to a unicorn farm with my sweetheart in just two and a half weeks. I'm really excited. I consider this holiday a very lucky find. Um, But how I found out about the unicorn farm is a different story. So (laughs) the way it's going to work is that we each get a unicorn to look after. And, you know, we do everything that you do to take care of a unicorn. We'll even have to muck out their stables and they advertise the muck as a, and I quote, rainbow colored treat that is served (laughs) after dinner as something really special. So I can't really imagine how that's going to work, but you know, it's going to be a holiday full of surprises. So we'll we'll take them to the fully flower field and a real highlight that I'm really excited for is in the midnight full moon trek to a place called Silver Waterfalls. And there, um, if we're lucky, we can see the water nymphs dancing in the midst of the water and the moonlight. So Whoa. I'll tell you how that went when I'm yes, back. That, that, sounds, that sounds absolutely amazing. Well, the, <laughs> the unicorn poop thing, I think I'll, 
I'll pass on that, no matter how brightly colored it is. Yeah, I don't, the- I, don't, I don't know. I, I, maybe I'll have a little try, but um, not sure. <laughs> yes. yes, there you go. What story are you going to tell us, Isabel? I am going to tell you a Bavarian Midsummer tale. Ooh. Yes. So it was close to Midsummer. The days were warm, the evenings sultry and soft. And on a beautiful sunny afternoon, a woman picked up a basket. She put it on her one hip and her babe onto the other. And she went into the forest to pick berries. So through the forest, she went and she picked berries from every bush. And, you know, as you do when you pick berries, you eat one and two and a handful and deeper and deeper into the forest she went until she came to a bush of berries that she had never seen before. And she had never seen berries like that. The branches were hanging low and the fruit was so plump. It was about as if it were about to burst with sweet sugary juice. And so she picked the berries, she went round the bush once and it was as full of berries as when she'd arrived. So she went around the bush a second time, picking as many berries as she could fit into her basket. It was already heaped. And when she'd circled the bush the second time, it was again as full of berries as when she'd arrived. So she went around the bush a third time and her basket was already very full, so she set it down. She walked around the bush a third time and she just ate as many sweet berries as she could and the juice was dribbling down her chin and it was so delicious. And then she discovered right next to the bush, a crack in the ground. And there was a light emanating from that crack. And she looked closer and she saw that there were steps leading down into the earth. And so the woman, she followed the light. She went down and down, deep down into the earth until she arrived in a cave, a cave that was gleaming and sparkling with gold and silver and jewels. And that woman, she she could not believe her eyes. And then out of that gleam stepped three women as beautiful as the jewels themselves. And these three women said to her, you can take one handful of anything you like in here, one handful and then go home. So the, and then they disappeared. And the woman, she could not believe her luck. So she took one handful and then, well, the women had disappeared. How would they know? So she took a second handful and then she she lifted her skirt and a third handful and a fourth and with her skirt heavy with gold and silver and jewels, she went back up the stairs. She hurried back up the stairs until she was back on the earth and she started walking home and then she realized she had forgotten her child. So she turned around, but the crack in the ground was gone. And and she dropped all the gold and the silver and the jewels and she fell onto her knees and she started with, with her bare hands, she started 
digging into the ground and she dug a hole as deep as she could, but the crack was gone and so was her child. For an entire year, the woman returned to that very bush, walking around the bush three times, seven times, 36 times, 700 times, hoping for that crack to appear again. But it did not. Until an entire year had passed. And it was once again a sunny afternoon that would eventually fade into a sultry evening. And she came to the bush and the branches were heavy with plump fruit. And she walked around the bush three times without eating a single berry. And then there it was. The crack in the ground with a gleam emanating from it. And the woman, she picked up her skirts and she ran down those stairs deep, deep, deep down into the earth until she arrived in that cave, gleaming and sparkling with gold and silvers and jewels. But the woman, she had no eyes for all those riches. For on the ground, in the middle of that cave, sat her child with rosy cheeks and shining eyes and, and little hands reaching out for her, laughing, it's gurgly little laugh. And the woman, she had no eyes for the gold and the silver and the jewels. She just picked up her child and wrapped it in her arms and turned around and started walking back up the stairs, back up towards the sunlight. And that's the story. That's so good. Oh my gosh. Never take more than you're supposed to. <laughs> I know. Oh, oh, it's oh. just oh, people sometimes it's just oh, silly. Gotta keep your eye on what's important. Yeah, right. Oh, oh that was really good. Yeah. Oh, my, I've never heard that one either. That was, that's, that was beautiful. That's, that's a two for two for this today. That's excellent. <laughs> I know. I don't think I've heard either of your stories before. So it felt like it was a bunch of new stories to me too. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Isabel. Well. That was amazing. That was so good. Beautifully told. I love that story. I love it. I can see it, why. It's so simple, but, and yet I find it so, you know, rich. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to the story story podcast. Show the love, find storytellers online, tell them you heard them on the podcast and now want to hear them tell more stories. These may be different times, but the opportunities to connect with the magic of live storytelling are abundant. Go find your favorite tellers from the podcast and discover what they can bring to your home. Did you know that you can connect with the podcast on Facebook or Instagram at Story Story Podcast or Rachel Ann at Rachel Ann Harding? Find Isabel at isabelhauser.com you can see the fairy tale sponsor ads and on the story story podcast instagram and facebook page and while you are there let me know favorite story you have heard or the favorite stories of your childhood who knows maybe you will hear them here soon beautiful brains behind the fairy tale sponsor is Rachel Anna harding and the music is by huddington bear and simon where can our listeners find you um, 
the listeners can find me at Simon Brooks Storyteller, which will lead you to Diamond Scree. Yep, that's me. And uh, Simon Brooks Storyteller on Facebook and Simon M. Brooks on Instagram. Thank you. Wonderful. This podcast is made possible by patrons like you. It is also made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for supporting the podcast with your kindness and listening. You will hear more stories when the fall approaches. But until then, live happily ever after. Mary Kate opened up the door and there on the doorstep wrapped in his own blanket was her baby. And to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day, when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music from the royal Live happily ever after. And then Claire starts talking. And there in the bedroom was her baby boy. But I can't remember how it goes. Okay. <laughs> but that's the outro music. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's ends, right. Yeah, yeah. It ends with Isabel being like, you can still hear the music of the fairies beneath the water. And if you go down to the lake on a clear day where the water is as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the roofs of the king's castle glistening beneath the surface of the water. And if you listen really closely, you can still hear the festive music from the royal court. Ta-da! <laughs> Sounds like somebody remembers their stories. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, thank you, guys. That was so much fun.